Welcome to DevOps Accents, a podcast on everything around DevOps, public cloud, and cloud-native topics with your hosts, Pablo, Leo, and Kirill. Okay, hi, guys. Uh, welcome to DevOps Accent, a weekly uh, podcast where we discuss all the things DevOps and all the themes around it uh, with our delicious accents. Here today with me, uh, Pablo, Kirill, welcome back, Kirill, and I, Leo. Hi, guys. How are you? Fine. Very good. Uh, Kirill, how was your vacation? Tell us a little bit about what you did last night. <laughs> this is like a school. <laughs> how, I, how I spent my summer. It was good, Leo. Spent, yes. <laughs> I spent four days in Südtirol, enjoying relaxation in mountains and hikes and walks and saunas. Did you walk a lot? Hmm? Did you walk a lot? Yeah, within some limits that would still make it relaxed. So no hardcore hiking. <laughs> Great. Okay, so uh, before we start, uh, before we begin, uh, I would like to make a short announcement uh, because next week, uh, if you are uh, listening to this episode on uh, Friday or weekend, like I usually do, and yes, I listen to our own podcast. Nothing wrong about it. Uh, anyway, next week, between June 21st and 23rd, we will be in Amsterdam at the DevOps Days conference that we sponsor. And I invite anyone who gets a chance to attend that event to join us there and just just pass by, come to the sponsorship section and area and uh, visit our booth, say hi, and maybe, I don't know, even take a part in a new iPad Pro giveaway uh, for the conference attendees only. So you'd better be there. And I also want to remind you that the best thing not to miss anything uh, that we publish and release during the weeks is to be subscribed to our MKDF Dispatch newsletter. The link is in the description, as usually. Uh, just hit the subscribe button and you will be notified about everything that happens uh, around DevOps and something we discuss here and some uh, themes we reserve for Dispatch only. So uh, about this conference, I'm so much very excited about it. Uh, I've scanned through the program. There are like uh, several numbers of topics that I, uh, talks that I would like to attend. Uh, but have you guys picked out the most interesting workshops and talks you'd like to attend there? For me, at least, I, I was thinking that there is one that is about multi-clustering in Kubernetes. That is sound interesting. But the, the, the crazy thing is the, the amount of conference, okay, workshops that we have, because I was checking before the, the page, and there is something like a, almost 30 workshops. So, okay, it's going to be two hours or one hour and a half each one, but it's, it's crazy the amount of those. Four in parallel, as far as I can see. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, most of them are like even hands on workshops, and they even require you to uh, take your own laptop and go through the practice session with uh, uh, the speaker. And this is like very cool for me. Yes, and, and, and even what I was telling before, because there are many 
different topics. So not everything is technical. You have topics that are non-technical topics. So I think it's going to be super, super interesting, you know, to, to everyone to, because you can go to, you can choose wherever, wherever you want. I'm also curious how it's going to be organized because the workshops, like if you read the topics of workshops, they, it's more like regular tech talks. So it's not like, because workshop is usually maybe like four, six hours and you run something like videos for some of our customers. But here it's kind of, yeah, some very small topics and maximum I think is two hours per topic. Yes. So it would be interesting to see the difference between the, the other two days, which are kind of a conference days and this workshop days. But from, from my side, there is this whole platform engineering track on the conference, and I'm interested in attending these ones because that's kind of the still fresh area uh, that comes after DevOps, let's say. And everyone has different understanding of what platform engineering is, and it's always interesting to see how different companies implemented it. And I think that's one of those areas where there is not some, like, there's probably already enough theory on what roughly should be done when you build a platform, but not so many concrete examples of how companies implemented internal platforms. So I'm looking forward to learning more about this on this conference. Plus there is a one of, there's one talk from um, developer from Rotterdam. I, I will mispronounce her name, Lu, Luella Krimers, about the dangers of survivorship bias in tech. I assume that's going to be a talk about why if some company is successful with Kubernetes or some other complex technology, it doesn't mean that you should be using this and there are many companies who are failing to adopt this. And I love stories about why some uh, fancy popular solution is stupid and should not be selected by most companies. This is on, <laughs> on Friday, no kidding? Yeah. It's Friday 10, one of the first talks on Friday. I'd like to hear like more uh, fail stories. <laughs> yeah, this this is good because always everyone is talking about something that is working. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when yes, when you hear yes. a podcast about companies, everyone is talking how good we are, uh, how big we are, and how everything is okay and nothing fail ever, you know. And <laughs> and it's strange that you know, you know, in when in, in three months we jump from zero to one hundred millions. So why how you know? Okay, it's good to hear these these real people. As for me, uh, most interesting part of the conference for me would be barbecue and karaoke <laughs> that will take place on Thursday, I believe. So yeah, and uh, I, I, okay, on a serious note, like uh, karaoke, of course, it's it's, it's fun. But uh, on a serious note, I'd like to attend uh, this keynote on. Uh, Thursday by Julian Sullivan, Julia Sullivan. Uh, she's the one behind the book. She wrote the book uh, Geek's Guide to Work and she uh, would like to share her take on imposter syndrome and why it's called like that and she thinks that uh, this is not the correct name for the syndrome and she's talks about it quite a lot in her on her LinkedIn. So if you're following her, probably you already you may can can guess what she will be talking about. But still I think that this is would this will be a very interesting topic. And even if you won't be able to attend the conference, I think they will be they will release it online some at some point. 
like in several months and i encourage anyone to to watch her or if you are eager to learn more just to subscribe to her linkedin and just read what she's talking about like quite interesting topic but it's absolutely non non not related to uh technical side of your job it's just relates to your professional side of your personality and it can be applied to anyone in our industry uh so yeah but uh right now as we are recording this podcast uh there's a funny thing happening somewhere out there on the internet uh, a very large number of communities on Reddit have gone private and become inaccessible uh, to the public, <clears throat> turning Reddit more or less into not very interesting place today, uh, at least for me, uh, because my feed today is only a couple of uh, gaming subs. Everything else is just inaccessible, uh, especially news. Uh, and this comes as a protest to Reddit's new policies on API, their cost, and how third-party applications can use them. Uh, this new pricing policy effectively makes it impossible to the most popular apps for Reddit, such as uh, Apollo and Reddit is fun to keep working. Uh, so the creators of uh, creator of Apollo. Uh, shared on social media that in order for the app to continue to exist, they would have to pay a whopping $20 million a year to Reddit. And I think that's crazy. And that said, the official Reddit app uh, is just atrociously bad uh, compared to Apollo and to other social websites. And it's like dog shit bad. It is very uncomfortable to use to the point where it's much more convenient to just simply open an old uh, web 2.0 interface on your uh, smartphone and use it in that way. It lacks support for moderators and it's very much more of an uh, accessibility problem. And But third-party applications solved all these issues and they made Reddit comfortable to use from your phone, from your tablet. And in the face of this, Reddit announced that access to the API will become payable, uh, which causes a huge wave of outrage that, that we are facing today. And it's also noteworthy because Reddit decided to lock their API behind a paywall because OpenAI used Reddit to train their ChatGPT artificial intelligence. So, uh, and Reddit decided that mm, such big companies shouldn't have a free access to this amount of information for free, and they decided to lock it and start earning on the content that users create for Reddit. So, uh, that's a short short version of what's happening and there is of course there are a, a lot of 
discussion around that and a lot of leaks of a private conversation between CEOs, what they're talking to, how they talk to each other, and it looks dirty. But I wanted to discuss today uh, what's your general opinion on the company putting a paywall on their API and what's what's your take on this situation and what do you think about it in general? Okay, I, I'm going to start, Kirill, if this is not a problem for you. But okay, uh, first, you say the world is a company. So, and as a company, you can do what you want. And what I mean that you can do what you want is that uh, you have a business model and this business model can produce or not produce Money, you know, depends what you want. If you want to have a an organization that is non-profit organization, then you say, you know, I don't want to generate money. Mm -hmm. I only want to get, uh, in some way, money to pay the salaries of the employees and to pay the hardware that they want to, to have to be able to to have all the services up and running, and that's all. This is a non-profit. But then if you jump from non-profit to profit, then you need to get profit. Uh, Ready? they have ads but maybe they discovered that there are other companies even more profitable than them. And the only thing that they are doing is like uh, these animals that when you cross the river in the movies and they uh, put on your leg and start to lick your blood. So at the end, this is the, this is the idea of these other tools. So they are not doing anything. They're only a beautiful skin, able to use better than you the APIs that your own produce and making money. For that, so then I understand the point that you, as a company, you're telling, okay, uh, this is my business, and I move the business in the way that I want. Now, the the customers, they are going to take a decision. So, and the customers is the people who is using Reddit. So, I don't want this tool anymore. I want this tool, and with the time, everything will give another reason to the CEO who who took this decision to to charge for the use of the API. But again. Every company charges for the use of the API. There is no company that says, okay, maybe there are examples that you can tell me, no, this is for free. But this is a company at the end. Is they, they they need to take a an economical decision. Mm -hmm. So and they will they will check the, the business plan that they have and this all that's all. I might say that I'm kinda on the edge uh, here. Uh, I would love to agree with you completely because on on some level I know that uh, they have to make money. And there is another point to that, because, for example, uh, some third-party application, even though they are more comfortable to use, they have more features for moderators and for users to, like, to use Reddit in a more convenient uh, way. But they created these features. But uh, on top of that, they display you ads inside their own application and they earn money on displaying these ads. And companies that would like to show uh, ads on Reddit, they prefer to go to a third-party application rather than uh, to Reddit directly because they know how many people are using this third-party application and they prefer to display their ads to them. And this third-party company, for example, Apollo, they earn money instead of Reddit. And this is something, I'd say, a shady part of this. 
And if you are earning money based on my application, like, why won't you share it with me? So you are using my, uh, you are using Reddit, you are using my API, and you're earning money with that. Like, you should share. So I think this is something that needs to be considered. But at the same time, uh, I have hard time understanding why you would want to put a paywall on your own product before making it as accessible as other third-party application. Uh, for example, I have this uh, example from uh, from my uh, personal experience with Windows, and when uh, I had to uh, create a new partition uh, for the hard drive, and uh, Windows didn't really saw the USB drive that I plug in, and I wanted to figure how to make it work, and I read like several guides how to make it work on Windows, and I failed to do so, even following these guides. But then I opened, uh, I downloaded uh, an app, a free app, it has its paid version, and it's uh, uh, this app saw this USB drive, and I restored it, and I created a partition inside of this USB drive in a few clicks, and it was created in a such convenient, in such comfortable way, and I was wondering why Windows uh, doesn't create a sim uh, this in a similar way, like like you should be user friendly right and uh, uh this interface in this third party app was so friendly it explained what i see where i should click how i should create this but this uh, and but nothing of that uh, in windows and this keeps me wonder why uh and this happens a lot uh, and um, i simply don't have answer uh, why this happens and this transfers to Reddit, they don't, they doesn't bother uh, creating a comfortable or user-friendly interface for them because they know that everybody will use it anyway. So why bother? Maybe this something happen? What do you guys think? I think it's this like transition from the world where we got all API access for free because I remember 10 years ago there was a certain concept of I think it was called mesh-up applications, which basically people would build whole products and websites just by taking Twitter API, Facebook API, and then many, many different APIs and just write some kind of a wrapper on top of it because all of the APIs were free uh, in this kind of social media world. And now maybe people are just used to like accessing these APIs for free. Uh, but that's what Pablo says. It's basically it's a commercial company. And in the end, if you use API to automate something, like let's say API for Spotify to create playlists. Okay, it's actually you implement some new feature, you don't access resources of Spotify in this case. But in case of the cloud provider, you use API to access compute resources uh, that they have. So you kind of, you are supposed to pay for this because they lend you some parts of their compute capacity and charge you some, some margin on top. And in case of Reddit or Twitter, uh, they don't sell you as an API developer, the compute capacity, they sell you data. And it feels natural that, yes, they charge for this. 
I don't see a huge issue there because there are plenty of, or used to be plenty of Twitter applications that would take all the data and whatever Twitter provides and just charge you money, like a paid application in App Store just for Twitter. And Twitter doesn't make money out of it, which as a business, it, like I, I think, yeah, they shouldn't be, find a way to make money. The issue is that there's probably not such an easy way to monetize this. Like Reddit and Twitter, they went with just, yeah, let's charge per API request, which might not make uh, that much sense actually for data stuff. But what would probably make more sense is that if you use our APIs and show people the same ads that we show on our applications. So then Reddit still profits from this. And if you look at the numbers of this uh, Apollo application, it's uh, the guy needs to pay 20 million per year because he has 7 billion requests or something like this to Reddit API. First of all, 7 billion requests is a shitload of requests. Sadly. That's, mm -hmm. you know, a significant part of the infrastructure on Reddit side that needs to handle this load and they need to have humans to process these requests. I'm not sure how Apollo is monetized, if it's a free app or not. Uh, if it's free, cool, like, then it's just a bad decision from Reddit not to acquire this application in some way, and then just make Apollo app, say, official app. But if Apollo is making money from Reddit, then, yeah, it's, it makes sense that Reddit charges them. But the the core issues here is open the eye, right? So they, there are even some articles telling that the success of ChatGPT is based on data from websites like Reddit, or primarily Reddit, because... Yeah, now this is the biggest thing in the world, uh, OpenAI and ChatGPT, that will be extremely successful and take lots, lots of money and also feels unfair probably to Reddit that it's basically used on decade or more of data collection from Reddit. So in all the commercial sense and kind of fairness sense, it, 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 I see good reason to start monetizing. So... But only only one second. Le I, I, only I, I, one second. Sorry. Only to give the numbers to understand the point. So Reddit has two thousand employees, and they made five hundred millions revenue last year. So that means that if you made the numbers, is more or less two hundred fifty thousand dollars per employee, and, and this is the salary of a person in USA. So what I mean with that is only with the money that they made, they only can pay the salaries. I'm not talking about the infra. I'm not talking about any expenses of the company. So the the company, Reddit per se. So okay, that is a 10 billion valuation company, a 15 billion valuation company. The company per se is not profitable company. So it's a company that is losing money. So and I understand that they see a company like Apollo that I was checking now that they have this. 1.7 billion of requests that Kirill is telling that Reddit is paying for that request. Because is Apollo made all these billions of requests of APIs to to Reddit that I have to mind that is in the cloud. No idea, but I have to mind that is in the cloud. And and this company needs to pay all these API requests because Apollo has a, a, a an application that even they charge as far as I can see here, maybe wrong because I never use Apollo either. Five ninety nine dollars to have a, a pro ultra Apollo version. So at the end is is money for Apollo that is not coming back to to Reddit. Exactly. And it, it it is what it is. So why I'm going to pay to you, imagine, 20 millions or 10 millions? Because if they tell you need to pay to me 20, maybe the, the reality, the, pri the real price is 10 millions. Why Reddit company needs to pay 10 millions to Apollo because they are Apollo. 
sorry, this is not the, the, things, the, the way that the things are working. It's, it's, it's crazy. The cloud tech industry is evolving so fast. Do you keep up with it by improving your skills or upskilling your team? At MKDev, we offer a variety of workshops for just that, from the basics to expert knowledge. Before delivering our workshops and training sessions, we carry out a detailed assessment of each participant. To make sure the workshop is helpful for you and your team, we will add more content to it or throw out what you already know. Or we create a custom workshop specifically for the needs of your team and the specifics of your project. But do you think that there is an ethical issue with uh, all of this when the company tries to sell access to the user generated content? Like in that case, I don't have a problem to pay for Apollo or even to, even if it become becomes uh, a, a paid uh, application. As for now, it's free application. You can download it and you can uh, purchase premium features and there are ads in the, inside the application. It's fine, but I'm still okay for, even if it's become paid application because it creates, it provides a lot of uh, cool features that makes my experience with Reddit more comfortable, more fun, and more engaging. And I'm ready to pay for that. But at the same time, when the company earns money selling access to the content that I and other users created, I, I don't feel this is right. I, I kind of feel this is wrong, but I cannot entirely fully explain why I feel that way. I have a similar feature, uh, similar feeling with uh, uh, Twitter sending access to the API, uh, but... Uh, then I will, I will send you an invoice with the salaries of the employees, the percentage of, of you, and then you can pay the amount. Or, or you can do something better. You can buy shares of this company. So, you know, because... I at the pay end, this company by creating content. Okay, so I create content. You don't I pay make it. my contribution to the success of this company. I create tweets, I create posts, no, I create but comments. You need to think a different way. Engagement. You are creating something that is giving to you your own pleasure because you write something in Twitter because you want to have likes and the company is giving to you a place where the people is going to like you because if you are in your couch in your living room and you are talking to yourself, nobody is going to clap you. Or nobody is going to give you a like. This is what they are giving to you. A place where you can talk. It's like, for example, if I open a jar in my house and I charge three euros everyone, and then the people can go to my jar and they can speak like many, many years ago. They can talk to the other people. I am thinking, blah, blah. And here is speaking for 20 minutes about something. Mm -hmm. And then you are telling, no, you need to pay to me. Come on, please. So I made the business. You can come here to my house and you can speak about what you want because you are free, free of speech here in this place. Nobody's going to make you anything because I am here to defend you because I have two or three bodyguards. I pay all the service that you have around. <laughs> I give you water, blah, blah. Yeah. This is what is doing these companies. Yeah, that's So makes it's sense. not only that you are not creating Reddit. You are one of the 200 million of posts that they have every year. And, and that's all. So, you know, you are not... Uh, so it's true that without you, Reddit is not there. But it's true that without Reddit, you don't have a place where to put the thing that you want to say. So... Mm -hmm. And the one who, who, who invests money is Reddit. You don't invest a thing. So it's different. Okay. 
how do you think this will end uh, with Reddit? Reddit will stop in two days, like most of the subs, they go dark for 48 hours. Uh, after that, do you think it will just stop and Reddit will implement their policies and nothing will change and everyone will just cope with that? I think it will... What will happen is exactly what happened with Twitter and Mastodon. Nothing. Uh-huh. Lots of noise yeah, about it. <laughs> that. Okay, there are there is a small niche community of people who actually started using Mastodon in addition to Twitter. But you know, everyone is on Twitter. Like why do we migrate? You don't migrate you cannot migrate tens of millions of users to Mastodon in a overnight. Same as Reddit. People are on Reddit not because of the mobile app, it's because of the content. So what what do you do now? Build all of this ten years worth of content somewhere else? And and if you start using this platform, you like you should be ready that it's not your content. Whatever you wrote on Reddit, it belongs to Reddit. Whatever you wrote on Facebook, if you are dedicated to create unique content that belongs to you, create your own platform. That's what also every I say serious Write blogger or writer is doing. No, like WordPress, like register the main like website costs whatever free, two bucks a month. It's if you want really to publish something that belongs to you, you have all the means to do it. Whatever, like use Squarespace or any other website builder like Wix.com. Mm-hmm. But if you go to someone else's platform like Meta or Twitter or Reddit, somewhere in terms and conditions it says that nothing of this belongs to you. And you're writing it for the for-profit company. I would be more upset if Wikipedia tries to pull off something like this because it's actually a non-profit foundation exactly. with the idea of making the public knowledge, so they actually they cannot make money, like like a non-profit foundation. And for this, like I'm happy to actually pay Wikipedia money every month because I think that's actually, it's a good concept. It's something that belongs to human, theoretically. Uh, but in case of Reddit, it's a commercial company, so they set the rules. Yeah. No, and, and, and even the, the, the main problem is that Apollo get the API without advertisement, so then Apollo can add ads that uh, <laughs> the problem with this ad is that it's is like I don't know the name in English sanguijuela I, I I will check that now how is that said in English the, the problem is that this company is taking Reddit and is liquid all the Reddit and then I can add whatever ad that I want in my app because mm-hmm. you know uh, I only get in the content I am not getting the anything else I am even not, don't pay and Wow, seven billions requests per month. <laughs> so it's eighty-four billions per year. So it's a big number of requests. So uh, and at the end, who pay those uh, twenty millions? Reddit. Take this, um, Leo. I'm not sure if you like. There is this website uh, from Russia, Kinopub. Yes. I think I also showed it to Pablo. So basically, the idea of this website is that owners collect all the content, all the TV shows from like Netflix, Apple TV, all the movies, everything in a central place. They give you a very easy to use interface. You don't have any ads and you can just watch stuff and you pay something like 10 bucks per six months. And is it okay? Because yes, like someone put an effort to make all the content centralized and convenient to access and it's for the user fantastic. But actually, it's a it's a pirate website in the end. It's <laughs> a stolen content yeah. that you pay extra money to access like conveniently. Uh, but it doesn't change the nature that it's just someone parasites on top of paid content from the studios. 
which makes zero money. And here is the same. Like Apollo is not conceptually different here because they just built on top of Reddit's content and charge money. And Reddit doesn't profit from it. Yes, you can say, but Reddit's content is user generated, but that's already a contract between Reddit and the authors on Reddit. And as I just said, it's the contract is it belongs to Reddit, whatever you write. So it's fair. So the solution for Apollo is, for example, to create, uh, to make the application paid or to make a subscribe subscription model um, for the user. So if you want more convenient features yeah. to use Reddit, pay for them. Yeah. They, they, it would be fair. The creator of Apollo should maybe then just calculate how much it will cost per request uh, and base a new subscription price on what he pays to Reddit. And that would be fair. So like, if you want to build on top of someone else's platform and content, you should pay to this platform and then calculate your own costs and charge according amount of money. And if, if it doesn't work financially, well, okay, find another platform to build on top of. Like, there is because imagine, imagine for one second that DuckDuckGo, the, the, the search engine, really is not using DuckDuckGo search engine. And really imagine that DuckDuckGo is only calling the Google API <laughs> and using the Google API and then when you write something in the DuckDuckGo search engine, really to go to Google API, and even now DuckDuckGo even is adding AdWords. Mm -hmm. What do you think that Google is going to make here? So I can imagine that there are 2,000 million of lawyers knocking the door of DuckDuckGo two seconds after you do that. So because at the end, who made the web pages? It's not Google who is making all the web pages in the world. Google is only having a, a search engine where he has a list of all the web pages and he is not the owner of he or she or it, the owner of the of the search. So it's only the owner of the result of the search. It's not the owner of the web that is under this list. But if you are DuckDuckGo and you want to go to this search engine and really it's calling Google and really Google is doing the work with all these APIs and he answered back to DuckDuckGo for free and then he make money of that. It is. So it, everyone is going to tell, ah, Google is stupid. But here, no, because it looks like Reddit is more open-friendly. But at the end, it's 2,000 employees that they need to go to work every day. And, and, and 2,000 families that you need to think about that too. Because And, 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 the, and the idea of the creator or co-creators and all the people who is investing in this company because the, the current value is the 50 billion. So that means that maybe they went to the second or the third evaluation. So there are another investors who add money in this company. So, you know, at the end, a company is a company. Is you, You're the company, the people put money in your company, then they get a percentage of the company, the company grow because they put millions of the company, they grow more and more, there are more and more people working. And it is like it is. And uh, an interesting part in all that story is that uh, the companies, because of because of which uh, Reddit decided to implement this new API policy, they didn't say anything about it. They just, well, okay, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> what they can say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fine. Uh, but uh, we all know. Uh, Another example of when a company introduces new policies, new price models in DevOps area is Docker. Uh, I, I don't know the, all the details, but I remember some time ago when Docker announced a new pricing models 
And uh, a lot of developers, a lot of companies, I decided to switch from Docker to alternatives. And this is kind of entirely different story. And how it is different? Probably you should like explain it more details because I have an impression that because of that, uh, all these events made a, a, a way, a made an opportunity for smaller companies to enter the market, uh, m- m- a market of containerization or and uh, all that, because just simply because a lot of users started looking for Docker alternatives. Uh, is it true or the story was a little bit different? Okay, I, I'm going to give my 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 point of view about Docker. That the end is the same, you know, because uh, I was checking now the prices again because I don't remember that. Okay, the personal price uh, for desktop is zero; it's free. And now the the pro the it, it, you have you have to pay five five dollars per month, and then you have a team is ten okay nine nine dollars nine bucks per month or twenty five bucks per month depends of you know the the different single sign on the different concurrent builds that you want to have you know depends on whatever number of teams and and we back again to something so Docker was able to create a a standard and it is a company and they decided one day okay we need to make profitable so we need to make money of that and they decided to to make money of that again everything that is personal use is for free but it's true that there are many companies you know, making millions because they are using Docker mm-hmm. and they don't pay anything. So for sure that maybe you can say this is a different case because mm, some components are open source, some other components are, you know, but at the end, it, it, we back again to the same principle. It's a company and it's a company, I'm going to check now how many employees because I remember there was something like three, four thousand employees. So it's a company with employees that you need to pay salaries to these, to these employees. And and at the end, it's the same. So they only says, if you're a company and you're using Docker, you need to pay for Docker. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, 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 it's legal. It's like whatever other, you know, I always say the same. Kirill wrote an article time ago in Encadev explaining all the monthly costs that we have to, to be running in Encadev. You know, all the services that we have to pay. So all the SaaS that we pay. And we need to consider Docker and another SaaS. It's a software as a service that your company needs to use, and then you pay for that. So because yeah, but, Docker but, is not Kubernetes, so it's different. Mm-hmm. One is connected to a, a non-profitable organization, and the other one is connected to a company. But from the user's perspective, like uh, when something like this happens, and in case of Reddit, Nothing changes for the user because we don't pay to use Reddit. But uh, as a company, uh, when something like that happens to Docker and my company realizes that from now on I have to pay a lot for this feature or more than I previously paid, uh, was paying. Uh, but at, at this very moment, I can decide, like, fuck the shit, I'm good, I go to alternatives. And there are alternatives. And simply because of that, and because of a lot of people decided to switch to alternatives, those alternatives are now are a major players 
in that the similar area and now docker have to be a competitor to these alternatives and they have to compete uh with the free uh, version uh of similar feature uh, so uh, I think in that case, Docker simply created more problems for themselves. Like they had this user base, large user base, but now then they introduced new policy and a lot of a, a, a big chunk, a big part of the user base switched to uh, free alternatives. Uh, and probably good alternatives because I remember Kirill dedicated a lot of articles and videos to Docker alternatives on MKDev and on our YouTube channel. I think, Kirill, you can explain a bit more about that, how these uh, tools really an alternative and is they really that better and is it worth switching to them entirely? And is it uh, and is even my understanding of the issue is correct, or I understand it entirely incorrectly? Uh, slightly incorrectly. So, uh, <laughs> burn <laughs> in your face because <laughs> there is a Docker as a technology and Docker as a company. So, what Docker initially was, it was a primarily technology. It was like this: they made a concept of packaging application into containers extremely, let's say, affordable conceptually and easy to use. So you could just take your application, package, package as a as a Docker image, and then run it anywhere. And that was the start of Docker. Uh, but then this concept of running containers became so popular and widespread that there appeared to be a need for, for standards. So actually, to move away from Docker or something owned by a company to provide some kind of a you know, like standard, like HTTP standards for uh, for web requests, and all the standards appeared. And slowly, with also with the collaboration from Docker, uh, they were implemented. And now, every part of running a container or building and storing container image has a standard, like a official specification with uh, some GitHub repositories. There is a whole organization around all of the standards. And when you run containers these days, for example, in AWS EKS, uh, there is no Docker. Like when you run containers in Kubernetes uh, right now, there is no Docker in place. There are tools like the lowest level tools that we just published videos about. It's called Runcy. Um, and then on top of Runcy, there are high level tools. And sometimes one of these high level tools is Docker. So at the very bottom, you have the specification how to run containers. And you have this minimalistic tool Runcy that simply works within the specification to run these containers. But this Specification is very, let's say, bearable. It's just like how to start an isolated process on a Linux machine to run your application, or how to take a, an archive with some contents and unpack it on your system to so that it kind of follows the directory structure that can be consumed by this uh, the, by the container runtime. Mm -hmm. And then, because the specification is so low level, there are high level tools like ContainerD. And Docker, that make it easier and they add some like monitoring features, metrics, uh, health checks, uh, some capability to run uh, containers across multiple hosts um, to some networking. Like, for example, networking is not part of the specification. And then Docker has its own approach to networking. And so today it's incorrect to say a Docker container or a Docker image because they're not Docker specific anymore. Like in the last five or more years, 
all the standards were built, implemented, and rolled out that there is nothing Docker specific. It's just a container that has been running. There is no Docker. It's just we keep telling, we keep saying Docker because it's yeah the same way we say Kleenex when we want to say tissue. It's just some kind of a name that's stuck in the brain of everyone, even even when there is no Docker involved. Mm-hmm. And if you use any of the big cloud providers, there is no Docker in most of them. Uh, now, if you start containers, if you start Kubernetes cluster on Google Cloud, I think there is also just container D. There is no more Docker because Docker also was built with was built to be very user friendly and user being human. But you actually don't need this convenience in terms of Kubernetes cluster. Now Kubernetes is this default way to run containers, so there is no place for Docker in there. Now Docker as a company is what we discussed in one of the previous episodes about Elasticsearch. It's basically they try to offer some extra services, a software as a service um, that people can use. They actually they don't have anything like an enterprise Docker edition with some extra features. They just have the software as a service. And the most popular thing that they offer is a container registry. That's the place where you store your packages for your applications. And this used to be completely free. Uh, whenever you run like Docker pool or any other tool that pulls the container image, it goes to a website hosted by Docker and gets content from there. And what used to be the case is actually there was a free tier of this container registry from Docker uh, that teams, I think up to five people could just use for free. So if you're a company like MKDF and you use containers to run your application, uh, you could package and push this for free to Docker Hub mm-hmm. and yeah, and start them to actually make application available. And, and that was free. So what Docker tried to change is because they actually need to find a way to make money because they had um, they had Docker Swarm, which was kind of an alternative to Kubernetes, but they just it, it died. Like they did not manage to make it popular. They need to make money in some other way. And one way is, yeah, like all this, also something that we discussed is they have some certifications, they have some consulting support services, like some enterprise support for Docker users, and they try to make money with software as a service. And now they see that, okay, like thousands of companies just use this free tier because maybe it's like it's just startups uh, to build and push images, and Docker is not profiting from this, but they need to maintain the whole infrastructure. So what they try to do is to deprecate this free tier, this free Docker for Teams. So they did, this did in fact happen. Okay. And the big, but that was not, it, it was not related in any way to the whole uh, idea of moving away from Docker uh, to some other open source utilities because Docker is still open source. There is this Mobi that is kind of at the core of the Docker. This move happened way before in 2014, 2015 when companies like uh, Red Hat, Google, etc. They realized that containers become central to how you run applications, and they just could not rely on yeah, some private entity to own all of this. They just pushed for the standards, and Docker cooperated. Uh, and that's also what our uh, Dockerless course, which is currently halfway through of being published on YouTube, is is about about the standards. The idea is not not to use Docker. The idea is to understand that actually containers do not equal Docker. It's kind of a set of standards now. Mm. Um, but yeah, so Docker tried to deprecate this free tier. And then it was used so much by open source developers that all this noise appeared. I think what Docker kind of miscommunicated is that it was, even after deprecating free team tier, it it's still free for open source. You just need to apply. 
Uh, but I guess people also didn't like that you need to apply as an open source product to get yeah, free usage of Docker Hub. But taking the I numbers? see. So in fact, it was like a, a misunderstanding from my side or uh, and from the side of many more people who didn't understand that correctly. Because from my perspective, it looked like uh, Docker announced new policy and everybody have to pay now. And they did decided no, we are not going to pay. We rather switch to other alternatives. And I thought I genuinely thought that the whole idea of introducing this new feature is like to the introducing people to docker alternatives like there are a lot of them and uh, the reason why they appeared and why they became so popular is because docker announced uh, new prices and now i understand that this is incorrect and those tools and those applications existed before and they tracked the popularity because uh containerization as a concept became a standard. So that's what happened. And these two events unrelated to each other to each other happened more or less at the same time, which created the confusion. Yeah. <laughs> for my from my side. The Docker is like today it's I think primarily used on local machines. So for example on my MacBook I use Docker for desktop because on MacBook, it's the most convenient way to run containers locally for development. But when we talk about Docker to actually run applications in production, it's I think it's less and less used, or it's used just because it it became this default thing in your infrastructure. It's just like being rolled out by default. But did you check the numbers, Kirill? Uh, uh, the company grow forty percent because last year they made one hundred million in revenue, and they grow forty percent. And they have now even forty percent more employees with almost six hundred. I was I was thinking that it was four thousand and six hundred forty. So, but again, the the problem is that with these numbers, they made so every employee they can pay one hundred sixty k per per year. So it does mean that they are losing money too. So it's another company even losing more money than Reddit. So they they need to make money. So desperately because if not, the solution is a close. And if they close the door, so you know someone needs to to attend everything that is there. Because at the end, we need to think that like companies, not like so non-profit organization. And and Docker is a is a company with six hundred forty people. At the beginning, no, but today it is. That's not the first thing that they. That's not the first time they tried to limit this free usage because I think two years ago they introduced a rate limit for downloads from Docker Hub because what used to be the cases as this hub.docker.com, it just stores all the container images in the world. Everyone uses this by default. And then whoever runs containers, when container is started, it makes basically a Docker pool or whatever other tool pulls the image, which means download anywhere from 20 to few gigabytes size of file from Docker Hub. And that was for free. And at some point, Docker just said, well, it's like we cannot keep doing this. We cannot offer this for free because we have to kind of just own this backbone of all container world, which is this Docker Hub. So they introduced rate limiting, which means if you do not have a user account on Docker Hub, there is something like I don't know, 1,000 uh, pools per hour or something like this. So they added this, this limit. And that's when also lots of noise happened around this rate limit because um, lots of infrastructures just 
broke at some point because people did not pay attention that the street limiting is happening. And then, for example, what AWS did, they announced this ECR gallery, which is like a clone of Docker Hub, but with a different rate limiting inside AWS. So they, it's it's actually similar to Reddit or to all of these cases that there was something very, there was a very generous free offering that people got used to uh, without realizing that okay, at some point it will end because it cannot be like this forever. Like someone needs to pay for all of this. And the obvious choice are users of the service. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I want to get back to Docker alternative because at some point the concept of containerization became so popular and Docker even uh, become a, a proverbial name for this feature. Like you mentioned Kleenex uh, when you want to say napkin or tissue. And uh, more and more companies started realizing that they they need to switch to containerization. But instead of continue using Docker, they decided to create their own alternatives, their own tools to run containers. And what happened with Docker and they lost their uh, position as a leader or as a sole a uh, sole owner of the concept, and instead of one major company that provides this container solution, we now have a lot of other smaller companies and smaller uh, open source tools that provides similar idea. And but this didn't happen with, for example, with Reddit. Like that, yeah. So they have this idea of providing uh, a place for users to share content, discuss news, and discuss um, a lot of different topics. And this concept isn't new, but uh, Reddit is still rather a monopoly in this area. Even though there are a lot of smaller platforms that provide similar. Concept, they're not quite as popular as Reddit, and there are no uh, major alternatives to Twitter, but there are a lot of alternatives to Docker. Why this happened? So, did Docker did something? Uh, did they do something wrong, or other tools are simply just better? So, what happened? Then, which are these tools? Reddit is not a technology. Reddit is a is like it's a concept. It's a concept yes. like Facebook. While Docker is a technology, and and the, the difference is that the technologies, you know, are changing. While the you know the 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 places like Facebook or Reddit is is completely different. I, I, I think it's two two different points. You know, I understand why Docker, you know, has become less and less and less popular, and why teams like uh, other technologies are more and more popular. But uh, always is going to be the same. But I understand too why Reddit is always popular because it's two, two different concepts at the end, mm. not, not, not to be one with the other. But uh, what is the most popular container tool instead of Docker today? For you, uh, for Kirill, for Pablo, you work with uh, uh, mostly different cloud providers, but mostly spec- specified uh, in 
uh, Google Cloud Provider, can you use AWS? So uh, do you use the same uh, container providers or tools? I mean, or there are different, <laughs> which one is better? Depends on it became locally, I think the most popular one is Docker in any case, except some Red, Red Hat people, no one is using Podman actively for day to day. I, I tried, but then it was like just Docker nailed the developer experience part. In terms of running containers in production, the things that none of the lower level container tools solve is how you, do you run these containers at scale on many, many different machines. Because Docker and all these lower level tools, they solve the problem of how do you run container on a single computer. Uh, what infrastructure requires is how do you run containers at many, many different computers and inter interconnect them together and give some other primitives. So today when we run Kubernetes on any cloud, in most cases, we don't care that much about all the lower level implementations because first of all, uh, it's not something you need to tune and tweak in most of the environments. Second, all of this is in any case standardized now. So all the parts are interchangeable because if container item complies to uh, runtime spec, yeah, well, you can just replace one with another. They're like, it's also something that we have in our Docker course, just like I show how to use run C and the next video, how to use C run, which is basically another runtime, just implement another language, but using the same specification and outcome is the same. So you can still take the same container image and run it and there is no difference. It kind of became this lower level detail, really. And it's not that critical. It, it is runcy. In 99% of cases, it's runcy. So even if you use Docker, it's runcy. And even if you use any other, if you use container D, at the bottom, it's runcy. And on the second level, it's, it's container D. So the, this kind of a sandwich was always to be like runcy. On top goes container D, on top goes Docker. And what cloud providers did, they just removed Docker piece because it made no sense. And they kept containerd because it's the most stable and popular and has all the required features for running containers on a single machine. And below goes runcy because it's everywhere. It's yeah, this default thing till someone implements something even better and more lightweight. So there is no a tool that uh, dominates a market. And there are, there are a lot of tools and you can use them depends on Depends on a lot of things. Well, there are lots of tools to build container images. That's where people have preferences and you can actually choose how you build container images because, for example, the whole Java ecosystem, they have a Jeep uh, from Google, which kind of builds container images without any container runtime. There is a project called Canicode. There are like different, there is a builder from Red Hat that focuses only on building images, unlike Docker, which kind of does everything. So for building and pushing images, there are many options. For actually running containers, there are way less popular options. And in the end, they all do more or less the same. They unpack the container bundle and then they start a process within particular folder structure. And the process is then just a Linux process, not different from any other Linux process with some like boundaries related to security around it, like Linux capabilities, the C groups. But all of this is the same. It's not like another container runtime would still work within the same specification and implement this more or less similarly. It might be faster to run it, might have some extra isolation features, but there is no 
there is no kind of a big feature that should differentiate one from another. I see. Cool. Uh, okay, guys. Uh, that was an interesting deep dive, at least for me, uh, into how <laughs> containers uh, evolved into what we have today. And I still kind of feel ashamed that there is no one rule them all tool for containers. But this is what I like about open source. Uh, you always can find something that you prefer and no one can dictate what to do and impose you with their own policies. Uh, just like it happened with Reddit. This is cool. Uh, I like it. And I would like to wrap up this uh, conversation. If you guys have something to add to the conversation, feel free to leave the comments. Feel free to message to us or reply directly to the uh, email from MKDF Dispatch newsletter that you receive bi-weekly. Uh, if you find it interesting, say something about it and say something that about uh, containers and what tools do you prefer. And if you would love to see more deep dive course like we have with Dockerless on YouTube and Udemy. Uh, and give us subscriptions, give us likes. And thank you, Pablo, and thank you, Kirill, for joining today. A pleasure. I still think this was thank a, you. It was a pleasure. It was a great talk. Thank you, guys. And with everyone, see you next time. Do you think your project infrastructure is well set and maintained? We know for sure there is always room for improvement. If you are uncertain where to begin, let's first do an audit of what you already have. We will review your setup from every angle, performance, cost, security, high availability, and automation, and provide you with a detailed roadmap of which direction your infrastructure should go, generate concrete tasks for you to implement, or even take on your infra entirely, if you let us, of course.